0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Aspire and Inquire. Today, we have another amazing guest, and we are going to go into the world of venture capital. Now, in the previous episodes, at the beginning of the introduction, I've, I've said maybe I may not know too much about these areas, or maybe not necessarily as interested, but this is one that I am quite interested in and I'm really excited to learn about. And I think a lot of the audience will as well. So to speak on VC, we are going to... Oh, by the way, VC, venture capital. That's how I will refer to it for most of the episode. So to talk on this specific sub-industry today, I have Andy Will. Andy, how are you?
1: Hey, Ben. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Really excited to get into it and uh, learn from your experience and your your story thus far.
1: Yeah, happy happy to share. Um, thanks again for having me on. Uh, looking forward to it.
0: Andy, your background is you went to Notre Dame uh, for your undergrad. Uh, then you started your career at J.P. Morgan and were on the Equity Derivatives Group, covering a whole lot of different areas. Um, you then went to get your MBA and now you're an investor at uh, Zeal Capital Partners in D.C., which is a VC firm. Is that correct?
1: That is right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I know I missed a couple things and we may get to some of the in-between, but um yeah, really excited to speak on uh to hear from you speak on all these experiences and industries. But um is there anything I missed? Is there anything else you'd like to uh say regarding introducing yourself?
1: No, you you hit all you hit all the high points. I'll just add that, you know, uh um, I'm from the DC area in Maryland originally for the most part of my life. My dad was in the military, so I actually moved around quite a bit and lived to spend a bit of time in San Antonio, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then Maryland. So, kind of been, been all around a little bit throughout my childhood, kind of a military brat. But um, I consider Maryland in the DC area home and just thrilled to be back uh, with Zeal Capital Partners.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, being able to live so many different places early in life. I think that probably does so much for you uh, developing yourself, right?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's uh, li- immersing myself in a lot of different communities and a lot of different in the form of geography, uh, demographics, uh, socioeconomic status. Um, there's still a ton of commonalities. People are people and the way you interact and treat people is the same. And so just kind of having those experiences throughout my childhood of you know having to make new friends and when I, when I moved to a new location. Um, and interacting with different types of people from all over, all walks of earth, has only benefited me. I think throughout my my life in terms of my perspective and, and the way I approach um, life and business together.
0: That's great. Yeah, I mean, the moving around when you're younger and all the things you've learned, even just just how you speak on that, um, how, <clears throat> how you just did, you probably learned. It seems that you've you've taken advantage of all of it, which is so great
1: try to, you know, you never do it as well as you as you hope, but you just kind of put your best foot forward and and uh continue to try and improve the next time.
0: Right, exactly. For sure. So, I guess a good place to start is talking about your MBA since you recently completed. Yeah. Congratulations by the way. Thank you. So, you went to uh University of Chicago Booth, one of the best business schools in the world and so you completed your MBA there. And so one of the things that I'm really interested to hear from you about is you decided to take off from work and halt your career to do a full-time MBA program. Now, as I understand it, that's a bit more rare in that a lot of people tend to work while doing the, the executive MBA, I believe it's referred to as. Why did you take this route in taking off from work to do it full time?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a great question, and one one I get asked a lot, um, and everyone has kind of varying opinions on it, specifically from the outside. And I can kind of walk you through my decision making process, and and one, you know, is I is has been at least in the short run. Uh, a very good decision as far as I'm concerned it's helped with my development and just kind of opportunities generally but what the way I thought about it was at the time I was I was uh, working as head of trading at Tom's capital investment management in, in New York City and uh, really enjoying it was, it was very intellectually challenging um, I'd worked in public markets investing for about seven and a half years um, and it was very rewarding however it didn't have the mission component to that I felt very passionate about um, you know I, I, I felt well, I, you know, I guess I'll take a step back. I'm an extremely competitive person. I love the competition aspect of it. I love the, the working hard on a team environment and, and trying to get the best outcome. But what I didn't have was that kind of higher purpose. Um, I had viewed the financial sector in the U.S. Um, as, as, as a bit flawed. It marginalizes a significant uh, amount of the population and those specifically who really need it the most and, and parlay that with a lack of access to higher education, reskilling, upskilling. Um, and workforce training um, were issues that I cared deeply about. So I, I, I wanted to be able to address them. And as I kind of immersed myself in the startup ecosystem, I realized there's just a significant amount of innovation happening in these sectors um, that were not only f- producing top-tier financial returns, but having top-tier social impact as well. Um, so it was really interesting to me. And and at the time, I was working, you know, 13, 14 hour days um, at, at Tom's, and in order to transition into that world, I, I felt I couldn't do it while working. Um, you know, I'm pretty drained at the end of the day. And then plus the, the how much of the job is centers around uh, people and networking and, and meeting new people and immersing yourself in the in the startup ecosystem. I just didn't feel like I had the time to, to really um, dedicate my, that, myself to that. And I'll tell you my favorite quote in the world. And it might sound a little out, out outlandish, but uh, it's anything in life worth doing is worth overdoing and moderation is for cowards. I heard this once and it really resonated with me just because I'm a really all in or all out type of person. So I knew if I wanted to pursue this career path, I really had to, to, to jump in, um, kind of feet first straight into the water. So I decided the best course of action would be to leave my job. I took about five months off prior to starting business school. And, uh, you know, just started networking my butt off uh, in, in the venture capital world, in the, in the startup world, um, as I was preparing to go to business school. And not only that, I, I wanted to pair that book learning with experiential learning. Um, so I ended up pursuing an internship uh, during that five-month period so that I could work simultaneously while I was in the full-time program. Uh, so I ended up working at a place called Listen Ventures in Chicago to, for two incredible uh, GPs in Jeff Cantalupo and Rick Desai. Um, who who have been just instrumental in teaching, showing me the ropes of early stage investing. Um, but I, I guess I get a little off track in in saying I felt that going to the, the to the full time program uh, allowed me to not only build an entirely new network of people, because like I said, venture capital is a, a very people centric industry, um, but it gave me the time to really network and and understand the big picture in, in the industry and and really immerse myself in it. So. Um, you know, you, when you combine all those thoughts, uh, <laughs> ended up at University of Chicago and, and had a, had such an incredible experience there.
0: Wow. That quote is incredible. Outlandish to some, I guess not to me. I love that quote because you're so right. If you really want to get into anything, if you want to be at the top of any industry, any career path, you have to be all in on it, right?
1: That, that's the way I've always approached it. And I've had been lucky that I have an older brother who's just 18 months older than me, and we we look alike. We have the same interests. I mean, for instance, uh, I, I was very lucky to to go to to play lacrosse in college at Notre Dame, and then he he played at Georgetown. So we got to play against each other for three years. We played with each other in high school. So we're about as competitive as you can imagine. And it's just been a kind of central theme throughout our life that if if you're gonna and it was instilled in us from our parents, it's if you're going to dedicate yourself to something to something you better put your whole heart into it or else it's just not worth doing. So so when I heard that quote, it just kind of struck me to my core. And it's something, you know, I think I have it in my Instagram bio. I think, you know, I have it written on my desk. I look at it every day. And, you know, if I'm not putting myself fully into it, then I'm
0: disappointed. 100%. It's good to have that constant reminder in your life. It's one of those things that if you center everything around, you're probably going to be successful.
1: <laughs> the, 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 the ruling's not out on that, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to.
0: But so going back to the MBA I I loved how your your answer I love how you answered it because people may think that going from a role at a bank in a derivatives team transitioning from there to venture capital oh it's like oh why do you need an MBA to do that but the worlds are so different and the type of things that you look at are so unbelievably different, how you judge a certain investment, and we might we might get into that a little bit later. But I, I'm glad that you phrased it as it is such a different world, and going all in on that to make sure you understood it and were as best prepared to be successful is it's definitely a good route to take.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's not right for everyone. Um, I, I totally understand. I think there's a stereotype with MBAs that, it, that they tend to be a bit more rigid, a bit more risk, risk averse, um, etc. And if you're going to get your MBA to go to you know McKinsey or Bain or BCG or to Investment Bank, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's an incredible career path. Um, but if you want to kind of under, dabble in venture or kind of dip your toes in the water and find out what it's all about, it can be a great experience. Um, but again, MBA, a full-time MBA is going to benefit others more, I think some more than others in terms of a career in venture capital. Others are going to go start their own business, um, you know, go go be an early employee at a startup, um, maybe work in consulting beforehand. And, and that's kind of why I I tend to talk about it a lot is there's just no traditional path in and, you know, the MBA path, it, it works for some, especially career switchers. Um, it just provides you that time and 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 the resources to pursue it, if it's something you're interested in. Um, but the beauty of it, and really what I love about the industry, um, and again, it's it's going to be something that others probably hate about it, is it's a very much a self-starter industry. You have to kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps and go make it happen. Um, and, and it's not more of a formal recruiting process, kind of like at an investment bank or a consulting firm. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it can be good for some, but it's certainly not right for everyone.
0: Right, exactly. And it's going to be going to be better for some, maybe not others. Uh second question to that is a lot of people talk about the CFA versus MBA. They just compare the two as equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. And so could you briefly speak on maybe why CFA wasn't up your uh alley?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I- I, I always was most interested by the early stage investing. So kind of seed to series A um, where there's certainly a, f- a fair amount of financial analysis, but it's more um, industry analysis and betting on people and understanding entrepreneurs and their thought process and their business plan and their vision um, and market sizing and that kind of thing. Um, whereas the CFA I th- and, and an MBA provides you kind of both, but it, it, what an MBA differs from the CFA is, you know, I'm in class with 500 people in my class and 500 people in the class above me. so you're you're building your network um you know exponentially exponentially by spider webs from you know second degree and third degree contacts with people versus cfa you're you're, you're learning the hard uh, financial analysis skills that you do learn in your mba if you so choose by the by the classes that you choose to take uh, but you what you don't get is or what you do get is you're studying on your own for you know many 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 hours and learning those materials but you're not meeting new people and and learning new things and having new experiences, so it's just a very different um, model. Um, and again, it's it's going to be right for some and not for the others because it's an expensive price to pay for for a network. But to me, the value proposition is still there, um, and it's it's proved fruitful in the in the times time since I've been there.
0: Thank you for that distinction. That's a really good difference between the two. I've never heard someone explain uh, the CFA versus MBA as a in regards to networking connections. And I'm glad you phrased it that way because I never thought about that.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, that's, I I think a lot of industries are are very people centric, but certainly the the venture capital industry is is, um, towards the top end of that. Um, So I, I just, I've always been a people person. I love getting to know the people. I love learning new things and um, you know, that that's the beauty of diversity, right? Every person comes from a different background. They have different experiences. They were brought up a different way, et cetera. And they have different opinions and, and they could be different than yours, but they, you learn something from every new person you meet. So I, I'm just kind of, I, I always felt that it's just an incredible thing to be a lifelong learner and, and the more people you meet, the more you learn. So it's been always uh, at the forefront of my mind.
0: A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more for sure. And so your route to venture capital was, as of the many uh, routes to VC that I've heard, they're always interesting. There there never seems to be a conventional route like there is for other industries, uh, maybe even within banking, consulting, there's like, all right, financial analyst, you go from the analyst to the associate, et cetera. But And that's just the, the one path. For VC, there doesn't seem to be any straightforward route. Could you speak on why you think there's no straightforward route?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think I'll I'll do my best at least. Um, You know, it's one of the things that really drew me to the industry, to be quite honest with you, is because of that diversity in opinion. You know, you have people who are ex company operators um, for large corporations, ex entrepreneurs, um, founders, Uh, you have, you know, ex consultants, bankers, et cetera, kind of the gamut. Um, so it brings a, a, a huge diversity in thought, and I think the way people think about problem solving in each of those industries is quite a bit different. Um, so when you can bring diverse stakeholders together, I think it just it just really raises the caliber of outcomes that you that you experience. Um, so and, and in venture specifically, I think if you look at growth stage um, kind of private equity, where it's a bit more financial modeling, I think you see more of the traditional path from. You know, investment banking to private equity to growth equity type of type of uh, process, and it is a bit more common. But if you're talking about venture capital or early stage investing, um, there's no real hard skill set that's really going to make you much better than the next person. Um, you know, you can learn the the financial modeling and how to value a company in certain industries, et cetera, pretty quickly. Um, what you can't, um, well, you can learn a lot of things, but what what it, what is great is how do you think about the company? How do you envision an industry changing, uh, you know, through different business cycles or through different, um, you know, how do, how do industries change coming out of the current pandemic we're experiencing uh, um, No one knows per se, but a lot of people have different ways of approaching that problem. Um, and, and that's going to influence how they how they see the outcome. So having that a bunch of different backgrounds is just beneficial to the industry and, and more great companies are going to get funded and, and change the world.
0: Exactly what VC seems to be about. Everyone talks about wanting to change the world with the companies they're building. And from the other side, of course, the venture and early stage investing is helping those companies grow. So having people come from so many different backgrounds to help make that, that centralized goal happen is so cool. And that must be so cool to be a part of
1: yeah it, it is and and the and it even comes down to when you look at uh different venture f- funds um they all have very very different models you know some are are ex operators who have tons of relationships in terms of corporations around that can, that can that can provide strategic partnerships et cetera. some people have a whole platform team that as a plug in for their portfolio companies to help them grow and scale in different aspects um you know o- others have uh, multiple exec- executive or entrepreneurs and residents to help grow and scale businesses. So there's a ton of different approaches, and I think different models of funds attract different types of people from different backgrounds. So it's just all about kind of figuring out what what fund format would complement your current skill set and and kind of provide set you up to for success.
0: And you've talked about the many different backgrounds, both demographically and former career experience wise. And a lot of that, there's a lot of variety of people in this industry, but I'm really curious to hear about what you think regarding the fact that there's a large percentage of investors that tend to be former entrepreneurs. You mentioned mm-hmm. that one of the many backgrounds that go in are the former entrepreneurs themselves. So how can you become... A successful venture capitalist without being on the other side, as in having created your uh, successful business on the other side.
1: Yeah, that's something you know I've thought long and hard about, about. And and one of the things that a lot of senior venture capitalists who have have had the fortune of reaching out to and who have actually responded, I've kind of picked their brain throughout the process over the last five years about does it makes do i have to go uh, you know either start a company or start an early, or work in an early stage company to c- gain more operational experience prior to move, to be successful in early stage investing um, and some felt yes yeah, some felt no there was it was kind of a, a dead 50-50 split and so i decided to to kind of contemplate it a bit more and and where i come out on it is you absolutely don't have to have operational experience to be a great specifically early stage v- investor i think there are aspects of it that are certainly beneficial in terms of winning deals. Some entrepreneurs are going to want an investor who can sympathize with them going through that entrepreneurial process, help them see around corners and make good strategic decisions because they've done that before. I totally understand that value add. But to me, it's all about just being incredibly self-aware. You have to know what are your strengths and even, even more importantly, know what are your weaknesses. And certainly one of my weaknesses is I've never been an operator. So part of the one of the things that uh, really attracted me to to Zeal is is that we have you know executives and residents who have done that before and who can provide that support for our portfolio companies um, uh, on a strategic level where they can help grow and scale the businesses and they can help them see around those corners et cetera and I can concentrate more on the big big picture strategic landscape uh, in terms of. Uh, what what businesses are exciting, getting to know entrepreneurs, getting out on the road and, and meeting more people and understanding their businesses. Um, so it, to me, there's no cookie cutter way to be successful. It's just being hyper aware of what are your deficiencies and how are you going to compensate for them?
0: That's a great answer. And having those executive and residents must be really helpful because, yeah, as you said, maybe one of your deficiencies is you haven't had the operating experience yourself, but if you can cultivate a team that has all different experiences from different industries and maybe have been on both sides of the issue at hand or situation at hand, that could be a really interesting way to solve that issue.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And 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 not to say anything bad about firms that are all ex operators or anything like that. I think that there's tons of incredibly successful firms that are they're exclusively ex operators, but there's I still firmly believe that diversity is such a strong driver of synergies and that you need a mix of people who have strong investment acumen and strong operators to kind of come at problems from different angles and push each other's way of thinking. So if, if you're all kind of came from a very similar background um, work-wise and then also you know from where you grew up, race, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, um, I just think you, you don't get to the the level of problem solving that you could otherwise
0: right? You're probably going to miss some things. You're probably going to all think in the same sort of way and miss things, as you said, like being able to cut corners or maybe anticipate problems that may occur. So yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. You mentioned that you were a lacrosse player at Notre Dame. That is really cool. And so people say being an athlete prepares you well for the workplace. And the typical obvious stuff like teamwork, being able to dedicate time to all the different aspects of your life, all the hard work and the discipline. And those are all the things that everyone talks about. I was wondering if, is there something much deeper than that about being an athlete uh, that, that really prepares you well for the workplace?
1: Yeah. Um, I've tried to think about this as well and reflect on my experiences and what would have taken away from them. And, and, You know athletics has always been just a a huge part of my life um it's just something i I thoroughly enjoy and the lessons i've taken from it um have just i think been hugely beneficial to me and the one one theme i think that that maybe helps bring bring that um for lack of a better term stereotype to life is is i think athletes just tend to be very competitive people by nature in a good way when you're involved with team sports you can't be individualistically competitive but you want your team to win at all costs um i've never played in a game in my life that i didn't know or think or or anticipate us winning that game even if the odds are not great uh in your favor so kind of having that mentality of and work ethic um etc I think it just sets you up for a mindset where you're okay with some tough criticism. You're okay with, um, you know, maybe giving someone else the glory and to get to end goal. You're okay with um, encouraging your teammates to lift them up. So I think just kind of going through that process, having some thick skin, having that drive and that um, understanding that the, the, the result you get is directly correlated to the work you put into it. Um, I think is just a great life lesson in a lot, which you can get from other areas other than athletics. But I think athletics is is a very specifically team sports is a great way to learn that.
0: And the competition aspect, that in itself really prepares. So I played tennis in college. I was it was Division three, but I can definitely agree with you in the fact that the competition itself, and I guess tennis is less of a team sport than the cross is, but sacrificing, sacrificing your own personal glory for the greater team, that in itself is such an important part in the workplace. I've seen it in my short time in in the professional world that that isn't, it's not always about you, your team performing and looking good as a unit is so much more important than maybe you taking a small win here and there.
1: Yeah, no I, I couldn't agree more with you and you get different lessons from individual sports and team sports and and no one's more important than the other. You learn certain things I'm sure in tennis that you don't learn in, in a, when you have 10 people on the field at the same time. But yeah, I, I, I would I would just say that I wouldn't replace my experiences for the world and uh you know, it it just, it's, the more I, there's, there's no rhyme or reason, or sorry, there's no, there's no empirical formula for it, but there's just certain things that I think through blood, blood, sweat, and tears, you learn, and it kind of, it's like muscle memory, it just sticks with you, and it kind of resonates with you.
0: For sure, right, exactly. So, how we got in touch in the first place was, uh, one of my LinkedIn connections happened to, like a Medium article that you posted and wrote which was incredible by the way but thank you of course (laughs) and one of the quotes that i that i uh wanted to bring up is in the article you said lesson learned don't let people tell you what you can or can't do just keep pushing until you find the right fit now i believe this was in response to you not exactly finding the VC firm that you really wanted, or maybe we're struggling to find any at all. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I, regardless, I love the quote. And is this the right mentality to have for a recent graduate, let's go with undergraduates, that are entering this very, very competitive world And even though maybe there's a good percentage of people that have a better chance at getting that first job that they really want to set them up, is this the mindset they should have right away?
1: You know, I, I think so, um, but I think it all comes back to that that self awareness that I mentioned early. You know, you have if you know that you have the skill sets and you have the experiences where you can add value to a venture capital firm, and you can articulate how it is that you're going to to add that value, then absolutely, I think that that quote holds. It's um, you know, it's something I've learned, and, and specifically, I, you know, I, I hate to give him too much credit, but for my brother, um, mm-hmm. is is you know, he, he's always inspired me like. He's always told me that you know, Andy, there's always going to be someone out there who's bigger, faster, stronger, uh, smarter, etc than you, but the only thing that you can completely control is the effort you put in, and i I just believe it to be true I mean it, there's always a, a dichotomy to things you know if you keep pressing and you don't have the skill sets or you don't um, you're just not as interested in the topic and it comes through. Then you know you should maybe find a, a career path that, that that is better suited for you. But if you, if you're passionate about venture capital, about entrepreneurs, about innovation, and you you have developed a skill set where you would be an al- value added to, a value add to um, to many firms out there, then absolutely keep pushing. There's going to be certain. Fr- I heard from multiple firms. You know, you know you have to have operational experience. You know, you've been you're, you'd be better suited for growth equity given your finance background. Um, you know. That the list goes on and on, and that's happened my whole life. Uh, You know, when I, when I, when I was getting a job out of college, uh, a lot of people pointed to me saying, "Oh, you got your job at J.P. Morgan because," or sorry, date it back, you got into Notre Dame because you're an athlete. You got your job at J.P. Morgan because you're a Division One athlete. Etc. And they, and they they keep pigeonholing and they say, "Oh, you should go into this. You should go into that direction because you're you're this." So if you resist that and i heard that a lot when i was trying to get into to venture capital if you resist that and know that you can you can have value then keep pushing and find that right fit cuz it's out there somewhere and if and if you have a lot of lines in the water you're bound to get a hit eventually
0: one the only thing or one of the only things you can control is the effort you put in so if you keep pushing for whatever you're going for you're probably going to get there eventually <laughs>
1: Yeah. And if you don't, that's not a big deal either. And you just have to, I think it all comes down to the self-awareness. You know, if you're making progress or even if you feel it, you're going to have ups and downs. There are for sure days throughout the process, whereas there was highs where I, you know, got a lot of great responses and encouragement. And I felt like I was on top of the world. And there were days where you don't get any responses or people say, you know, this isn't the right path for you, or you have to do something else first to get there. And it's, and it brings you down, but, you know, picking yourself I never let myself get too down or too high. You just keep on that grind until you until you can make it happen. And that, that's kind of the mindset always.
0: Right, right. And I loved how you've mentioned self-awareness multiple times because you're right. If you're pushing for the wrong thing, if if it's not where you should be headed, whether it's career-wise, personal-wise, it really doesn't matter. If you're not aware of what you can do and what the best possible path for, for you is, maybe that effort... It could be misplaced in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I just think you you know, you want to be in it for the right reasons, and that was part of the impetus for for getting into the venture venture capital industry. It was you know, while I met so many incredible people and smart and interesting people at J.P. Morgan and Toms, etc. Et um, I really wasn't in love with what I was doing. I was chasing that competition in that um, you know wanting to win mentality. But the, underneath the surface, I didn't have that passion for what I was doing, and I, I can honestly say now with wholeheartedly that I am so passionate about what I'm doing now. I've had so much fun since I've, I've made this life change. Um, so yeah, I, I think when you when you figure out what you want to do, you know, chase chase that dream down and, and make it happen. You know, don't let people discourage you. People, you know, will want to to say negative things to you, um, for for a variety of reasons. So just don't let it get to you and keep 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 pushing towards your goal.
0: That's the best. You've been in VC for only a little bit. You started at Zeal in March, is that correct?
1: Yep. And then I started Listen uh, September before.
0: Right, right. So you, you've had a, a bit more VC experience than just your role here at, at Zeal, but it's still a comparably short amount of time that you've had in the industry. So I guess uh, my question is, what, what are you most looking forward to about your experience here?
1: Yeah, just continuing to learn and grow. And, and, and I feel like a broken record, but I just think it's such a powerful thing to know what you know and know what you don't know and just continue to push and, and keep learning because there's just so many incredible people out there that you can learn from. You know, I've, I've already, from working with our, our founder and managing partner, Mr. Kadri, I've learned so much from him. I've learned so much from Nicole West, our, our, one of our executive in residence. Uh, I've learned so much from Jason Green and so many other people who have come into contact, entrepreneurs, etc. cetera. I have to, I can honestly say that each and every day I talk to someone new and I learn something new. Um, So really, there's no, I'm I'm so excited about the verticals we're looking at, looking at. Uh, I'm so excited about, you know, the opportunity out there while, while this current pandemic is so horrible, sad, so many people falling on hard times and, and wish it never had happened. But that being said, it has happened, and it's going to create a significant amount of opportunity out there. As you saw with the 08 the, the financial 0809 financial crisis, right? There was so many just you know game-changing businesses that came out of that that um, change in business cycle. So I think my opinion is the same thing will come out of this, and uh, so I'm just really excited to to speak to more people and kind of push my way of thinking on what fundamentally changes coming out of in a post post covid world and how do how do consumer behavior shift so i think that's super interesting and something i'm really excited about kind of diving into
0: i love talking to people regarding the opportunities for, for yeah. what comes after in the business world it's really interesting i you hear about like airbnb coming coming out in the oa crisis it's like okay what what's going to come next what's going to come From this pandemic, and it's really it's going to be really exciting to be working uh, in the early stage investing because you guys are going to get uh, presumably a lot of opportunities, which is oh, that's just so exciting.
1: That's the hope. That's the hope. uh, You know, but uh, it's just it's so inspiring to meet all these entrepreneurs who are are pursuing these audacious goals, and and a lot of them have just been accelerated given the times. So it's it's just going to be really, really, really cool to see um what these what these amazing people are able to do
0: and working with entrepreneurs has to be so exciting oh, cool. it's the it's the
1: most inspiring thing in the world when are you meeting with people who are quite literally putting their entire lives on the line to accomplish a goal that they feel just so passionate about it's just inspiring each and every day to work with these people and learn from them and and take a little bit of their passion and 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 translate it into my own work it's 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 awesome
0: Right, exactly. That's that's got to be one of the coolest feelings. Some people talk about, oh, I hate working with my clients; they're so difficult to work with. But then, you're here working with, I guess you could say, your clients to a certain extent.
1: Partners. Um, I look at it as partners. You know, we're we're investing in companies. We're partnering with them on their goals and their mission, and and trying to help make their dream a reality and be a part a small. Part of that journey. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, less as clients, but as kind of thought thought partners and and uh, and and friends.
0: Right. Exactly. Definitely better to phrase it that way. You have provided so many interesting points here, Andy. I really appreciate it. Is there any other advice for young professionals that want to get into venture capital and maybe they're in banking, they're in consulting, and what? what advice would you give a young professional in in those industries?
1: I I would give the advice of of a few things. One, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, reach out, extend your network, um, talk to people. Most people are want to give back and want to help uh, people who are genuinely interested in learning. Um, I would say, don't have a fear of rejection. There's always going to be people out there that say no, you know, have some thick skin and just kind of move on to the next one. If you want to make a transition and, uh, and just don't, don't get too high when someone says, you know, you're the best person in the world or too low when someone says you're never going to be able to make that transition. So just kind of keep an even keel, keep pushing, be okay with rejection and reach out for help. There's so many people out there and so many resources out there that want to help. And I see so few people pulling on those levers. Um, so I, I would say just, don't, just use everything, every resource available to you to, to, to accomplish your goal
0: absolutely it's just such a unused resource that i try to tap into as much as possible but you're right so many people should be doing that
1: i just think i think it's the way you approach it right some if you approach it in a, in a not so great way you're probably not going to get the the response that you're looking for but if you approach it in a value added way reach out to someone and say hey I was thinking I could help you out in this way or that way. And I would love to to kind of pick your brain about um, this transition I'm looking to make. I admire your career. Something, you know, bringing something to the table that is a value add for them and makes their life a little bit easier. It's really hard, I think, on the other end of that email or that phone call to say no when someone's uh, helping you out, you know?
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And if you can create a mutually beneficial relationship, uh, even if you're the one reaching out to someone like you. I mean, that's the best, that's the best situation possible.
1: That's right. That's right. I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, Andy, this really has been amazing. Uh I would love to ask if anyone wanted to connect with you, reach out, follow you, where would the best place be to do so?
1: Yeah, yeah. Shoot me an email at Andy at dot That's a n-d-y uh at zeal z E A L V C dot co. CO.
0: Great. That's perfect. Well, Andy, thank you so much again, and really excited to release this episode. I think people are going to find this extremely valuable from so many standpoints.
1: (laughs) I appreciate you having me on, Ben. And uh, you know I really love what you guys are doing on this podcast, and so lucky to be a part of it. Um, Please don't hesitate to reach out if I can be helpful in any way.
0: Great. I'm sure they will. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your night.
1: All right. You too, Ben. Thanks. Have a good one.
0: All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to our episode and make sure to share this with your friends. If you haven't done it yet, give
1: us a follow on Spotify and Instagram at aspire underscore inquire to take on the journey with us. That being said, stay tuned to next Thursday because you will not be disappointed. Peace.